did they do it? How did they do it? You're listening to the How Did They Do It podcast with Kostas Panayotou. Welcome to How Did They Do It, where you can join me in conversations with inspirational individuals who have transformed their lives by doing what they love doing. In today's episode, the first episode of this year, I will be talking with Myra Dani. Myra is a gestalt therapist and a sexologist based in Athens, Greece. And uh, I, do, I do remember Gestalt from my uh, university studies as one of the uh, most popular therapists after the war. Uh, it has links with existentialism and um, other, um, other systems and other uh, philosophies that uh, blossomed in that post-war period. Um, but uh, more specifically, Gestalt has an interesting approach in that it doesn't just focus on the individual, it looks at the whole system. So it has a quite holistic approach where the, um, the person and the interactions and relationships uh, are all looked at um, as a whole, as a gestalt. Mara will explain that uh, in more detail. Mara also talks about the origin of, um, of gestalt and uh, more specifically about the anarchic origin of gestalt, something I have to say I wasn't aware of it myself. Uh, she's an activist and as you will hear, she has quite strong views about um, patriarchy, capitalism, violence, um, and all these internalized forces uh, in our society, which um, uh, she believes we can only fight and heal through um, love and freedom. So without uh, further ado, I'm sure you will enjoy this. Here's Maya Dani. So good evening, uh, Maya. How are you? Good, good evening. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. You sounded a bit reluctant there, but that's probably because of the change of time, isn't it? So it's uh, 6, 6 30 or so here. It's 8 30 there, isn't it? 8 30, yes, here. Now it's the calming hours. Well, it's nice. It's good. The calming evening times. Great, great. Exactly. Well, thank you for um, you know coming here in the, in the podcast to talk about what you do. And I always found the term gestalt very um, fascinating. Yeah. Um, you are a gestalt therapist, obviously, and um, from I mean, from my studies, no, I, I got the idea of what it is. It's a German word, isn't it? So not everyone, yeah, exactly, German. But tell us in your own words, what is it? You know, for those people who don't really understand. Let's say I'm a complete noob. I have no idea what gestalt is. How would you describe that to me? So yeah, I'm a gestalt therapist, and gestalt means it's a German word, and that's why we kept this world because it really there is a total and yeah. there are some parts of this total of this whole uh, but the point is that uh, that this whole this total is not just uh, the sum of these parts it's a, a new a unique being got it that's the point. So me and you, we are, we are a unique gestalt. You and your wife, you are a unique gestalt. So me and, I don't know, the, the sofa, we are a unique gestalt. And you cannot take half of this, you know, part and half of the other gestalt and make our gestalt. It doesn't work like this. Right. So if I was to literally sum up all the parts of you and all the parts of your sofa, nobody would still understand your... I guess is that your interaction relationship or how it exactly all fits because together. because the thing happens in the interaction and yes. this and its interaction of you know of beings is unique. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Yeah. 
Now we, uh, now that you mentioned interaction, I mean, I attended one of your sessions. Was it last week? Was it that I attended one of your yeah. seminars? And you did speak about this point, and, and in particular, I was interested to hear about the, um, you know, the um, the environment and the importance of the environment, really, which I think is a great sort of um, yeah. way of looking at things because a lot of therapy schools are quite almost narcissistic, are they? In approach like psychodynamics, you know, I remember from my university studies, it's all about the unconscious and really pretty much exactly. focusing on the individual. Uh, behaviorism is pretty much the behavior, but n- without taking uh, many other aspects into account. So this is a quite holistic uh, approach. Exactly. And that, do you think the environment helps? I mean, if I was to try to understand you, if, if I was to understand the environment, would I understand you better as a person as well? Exactly, and that's the point of the word gestalt, that the environment actually defines the organism, the human organism, more than what we've thought before, as you just said. That before we thought that the human being is one thing, you know, someone is, I don't know, crazy or alcoholic or this or that, or autistic, you know, all these labels. And so psychiatric, you know, all this psychiatry and all this stuff, they like that. They they have this theory and they like it. Because like this, you know, they have to really focus in how to fix this person and this person has this problem, so let's give him, you know, this treatment. So it's also easier for them as, you know, helpers because it's one thing to everyone. Uh, not to mention the pills industry and the medication industry, that's another thing. So, in our case, we really have to, we, as therapists, we have to be really, we are really, really present. We become one gestalt with the client. And it's really, our body is like an, an instrument that the client is playing. Many, many times. Not all the time. Of course, we have also the leader side. And, you know, and we, are, we also do the therapist and all that. Though, that's how I feel it, that I become the health, I try to be the health environment for the client, for the client to, to blossom. So I try, since, and since I, I, I think that uh, human nature is, as I said also in the, in the seminar, is love and freedom. Our nature mm-hmm. as human beings are love and freedom. So actually, I'm doing this environment for my clients since I know that they didn't have this environment as kids, like I also didn't have it. And actually, that's the reason we go to therapy, because we didn't grow in love and freedom. And also, at the same time, I inform them, uh, because my work is this, is, and, and Gestalt started as an anarchist uh, psychotherapy method. Anarchist, like, that's interesting. Yeah, I know. It's not. A, it's a secret almost nowadays because most therapists, even Gestalt therapists, you know, they are so into capitalism and they like it, so they don't want to remember the root. Sadly, uh, though, because we are an anarchist activist, I like to remind our roots of Gestalt therapy. Um, yeah, so. Uh, what did I want to say with this parenthesis? Uh, well, 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 t- <laughs> well, that was a very a parenthesis in itself, I think, which was very interesting. Ah, yes, but... I remember about love and freedom that I also inform yeah. my clients that 
it's also a social political issue what is happening and that's important and that was that's my contribution in the modern gestalt let's say and in therapy in general that because i am an activist and that was my first identity and actually i am a therapist because i'm an activist because it's my way to help humanity uh, you know be a better place so i discovered and i proved by you know by research and so on and i prove it through my work that emotional awareness needs to be combined with social political awareness so our awareness is full and so as an organism we are fully activated and that's what i explain also to my clients that it's not a personal problem that they didn't grow up with love and freedom it's a systemic problem and we all suffer from the same and it's so important i think to to collectivize uh, our suffering from mm. from the lack of you know what we really need based on our physiology as human beings that's a big suffering actually yes okay so you um i mean you mentioned capitalism now and i know that's one of the systems that you are you know you're fighting against is it fair to say and um, but another one is patriarchy that you mentioned quite mm-hmm. often so what is that what's that patriarchy and how does that affect people in the day-to-day life it's a system isn't it as you just explained exactly so we live inside some socio-economical and political systems right and we are born to inside them we didn't choose them that's important here to explain so me i was first aware that we live in capitalism and i didn't like it and i was an anti-capitalist activist nah, nah. though i am aware that capitalism exists in the last 200 years three whatever something like that and when i discovered patriarchy that also patriarchy exists uh, and i saw i saw in a training that i i was in a training about women's sexuality and healing patriarchy in spain and i realized that i have internalized patriarchy and it was the worst moment and still is the worst moment of my life And I cried so much, I remember in this this moment of the training, because I realized that, I mean, for me it was a worse, a more heavy feeling than what my mother and father did wrong, because I realized that a whole system, you know, has affected me so much as an organism. I freaked out, I was like, I don't believe that, but of course it's true. And then I was like, okay, and I was like, okay, okay, it's my life, my new life mission to kill that from myself and others. But of course, you know, as therapists, whatever we do, firstly, we do it to heal ourselves, and then we transmit to people who resonate. So I decided there to do this research and to, you know, to hit, to, you know, to fight, to become a patriarchy warrior for life. What I discovered uh, about patriarchy, which I didn't know, is that many things I discovered that I didn't know. One that is very important to share, and I always share, is that we live in patriarchy the last 5,000 years. And uh, this is only the 3% of human history. How interesting is that? 
Halfway that's pretty the interesting, end. isn't it? Because you, uh, the, uh, I would always have thought that it's like there since the end of time. So it's something exactly. that happened at some point then. Exactly. And not only it happened at some point, we can see by from this, uh, I don't know, from these numbers, that it's not a sustainable way of co-living with our fellow human beings. <laughs> because... And we can see that in this 3% of human history, we are in front of extinction mm. as a species. And, not on, and we have already contributed to the extinction of so many beings. And that is, I don't know, scary, dangerous. I know, I personally feel guilty about that and so on, so on. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so... That about patriarchy, but another term which you explained further in the seminar that I attended last week is violence. And first thing when I heard you talking about violence, I thought you only meant the physical violence, you know, someone in a pub fight or something like that. But it goes deeper than that, isn't it? It's not just that when you talk about violence. Exactly. But I, I, if you allow me, I want to say something more about patriarchy. Okay, yeah, sure. Because actually it's connected. Yeah. So I will answer together. Yeah. Uh, so actually patriarchy... We think usually that, which is the first reading of patriarchy that we have, is that the white dominant uh, strong male who is opposing itself to the rest of the beings, women, animals, kids, and uh, nature, planet. Though, when I did this research, I saw what is really, what patriarchy really is, and that's the way it's reproduced through anyone, because I have it also internalized, so it's not only made for men, it's made for everyone. And what it, what it really is, it's the, it promotes the individualism and the individual interests that, should, that we should, each one, uh, should uh, promote its individual interests by opposing its interests to others. And the only way to do that is by using violence. Mm -hmm. So if I want to oppose to you to speak to you three hours today instead of one that uh, you have planned, I, I will, I don't know, maybe I can use, I will use some tricks to say I'm very sad or I want to, I don't know, uh, I'm thinking to kill myself. No, no, by this I can keep you here, but that is violence. That's and a form of going, violence, right, okay. Exactly, and it's going against your free will and your, uh, and, and your boundaries, so I'm not respectful towards you. And that's just a small example, and this is something that people, it's happening all the time, many people, people are so used to live like that, through, so there is the direct violence, and then there is the indirect violence, which we can call manipulation. Mm-hmm which has also many forms. And there, that's where we can see the use of psychological and emotional violence. Oh, you leave me alone. You are going to sleep uh, so early and me, I'm here alone and I'm scared, uh, you know, at home. I don't know, there's a wolf around my house, you know, whatever. All these stuff are these types of, uh, you know, violence. Or, and then there is, so that was emotional hooking you know, uh, we call it. But then I can go to the next level, which is, oh, you are uh, stupid and you cannot speak with me more than one hour. You are such a boring guy, you know. That's another type 
of insulting, you know, and so on, so on, so on. Yeah, yeah, so there are different ways, but the common element is, if you like, is violating someone else's boundaries, so one exactly. way or another. Exactly, yeah, really lack of respect. Wise. Yeah, and this goes against, and so we are, as, as I observe, we have all grown up with a lot of violence. There was no real respect for, for there is no real respect for the newborns. There is ageism. Oh, these babies, they know nothing. They are not, I don't know. There are even people who treat, you know, to babies like objects and so on, so on. So, yeah, lacking respect. Of course, we didn't get the love and freedom we needed. And yeah, so, and what, then what happens with this violence is that there are two ways that this goes. One is there are the people who internalize it. So me, I'm this kind of person because I hate to reproduce it. But, but, not bad. And if I don't clean my field, as we say in Gestalt, there's always a field around us with all the information we have experienced in this life. If I don't clean my field uh, from that, which the way I do it is by, you know, being aware. And Gestalt is all about being aware here and now in the three levels of awareness, which is the mind, the body, and the environment. So the more I'm aware, the less I do automatic moves and, th and thoughts, and uh, I have automatic feelings. So the less I, I reproduce this violence that I have it internalized. Mm -hmm. So the more aware I am, and the more fresh I am, fresh eyes and you know heart I have for life. Uh, the better for me, and so the more I apply to myself, actually, love and freedom. Okay, so awareness is is the antidote to violence, then, really, isn't it? So the more aware you are, uh, the more exactly. you can actually fight it. And would you say, I mean, perhaps another question would be, I'm just thinking here, um, this question on behalf of the people who are watching this and are actually parents, for instance, do you think it's possible for uh, for a parent, you know, to completely avoid violence in the way that you uh, define it, in the way they sort of raise their kids. And I'm giving an example for it. A kid will often say, well, I don't want to go to sleep, you know, <laughs> I want to stay up. But then uh, as a parent, you know, well, you need to go to sleep because tomorrow you wake up or I need to wake up and then I need to wake you up to take you to school, etc. What would you say to that? Is that a form of violence to say the kid, no, you're going to go to sleep now whether you like it or not? Thanks for this question. It's very, very important. So the importance of acting with love and freedom to human beings is radical. And this practice is also radical in the sense that it's the only practice to follow towards any human being. Uh, of course, if someone's trying to kill you, it's not so easy. Though, <laughs> even there, you know, it's going to be it's the best again to do, but I mean, especially towards the people that we love, because that's this fall, fall, falls in this category, right? So in that I case, so. <laughs> me too. It's not such <laughs> a grand thing as we think, but yeah, uh, let's take the good uh, scenario. So it's so used. It's so not used. It's so habitual. Uh, that towards the people that we say that we love, 
we express all these patterns that I said before from the field of lack of love. So most people think it's normal. Uh, okay, the neighbors should not uh, know that I am screaming when I get crazy, but my husband and my kids, why not? <laughs> you know, you know this, do you know this style of existence? And it's very common in our societies. So that's one thing. So I mean, especially to the people we love, we shall treat with love and freedom. And so towards our kids, definitely the best way to, to raise new human beings is with love and freedom. And so to be more specific, uh, when the kid doesn't want to go to sleep, let's make a dialogue with this kid. Right. And let's be honest and direct and say, look, tomorrow you know that you have to wake up at seven to go to school. Are you fine to sleep late? What do you want to do? How do you feel? Because the kids are not crazy, you know, they're not stupid. Obviously, they want to sleep and they, and they want to rest. So if they don't want to sleep, there is something happening. And that's the first thing you need to take care of. And not to get crazy and say, oh, no, you're not following the rules. No, 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 no. Ask your kid what's going on. So maybe there is something going on emotionally, or maybe there is a need or a desire to be covered. Maybe, I don't know, I, ha I saw a dream and today I want to, I don't know, to look for documentaries for dinosaurs because I don't know what. Maybe it's a need, or maybe I want to draw a rainbow because I dreamed of it and I saw it yesterday, I don't know what. Or maybe I have a lot of energy and I need to do something with this energy. This happened to me a lot, for example, as a kid. And yeah, okay. It's important to be able, the, the, the kids, I mean, we all, if we, we have a specific amount of energy and if we don't use it in the day, then it's difficult to go to sleep. And many adults that have sleep problems is also because of that. Yeah, good point. And, and I think the way you, you describe it now, it makes it a bit more clear to me as well what you mean with this whole um, love and freedom. Because I actually know from experience parents who are, have this completely free attitude to the children, which is basically do what you want. But that's not really what you're saying, isn't it? It's about sort of no. having a, the dialogue rather than free for all and everyone does whatever exactly. they want. It's, it's more about, okay, let's actually listen and understand and awareness, exactly. I guess that's what you mentioned earlier. Exactly. Exactly, okay. that's the point. Yeah, yeah, and that's an important distinction. Okay, so um, I'm just curious, I mean, Gestalt, obviously, I suppose, you know, as a Gestalt therapist, you're using different techniques uh, to help people. Um, what, I mean, do you have a favorite technique? Is there a particular sort of technique that you uh, like to share with us that you're sort of using when you're actually working with other people? So I avoid the, the word technique and I use the word practice. Right. Okay. Because actually technique, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know, it's not something we can really use in a long term, really deep healing process. Uh, I guess in every, I don't know, science or, I don't know, um, everyone who is an expert in something would say the same, I guess. I don't know. I suppose. 
So I use the word practice, that's one thing to say, because whatever I use is, is part of a whole. It's yeah. an holistic approach. And I need to have an holistic understanding and overview of the other person, of myself, and so on, so to be able to do it. I really like, um, except of the, the base of, of everything is the awareness in here and now. And then it's the, and, and the understanding that there are three levels of, of awareness, which most people don't know. So except the, of the mind, there's the body, and the, the, then there's the environment. Very important. And then, so first one, the first one is this, then it's how to learn to combine these three elements in the same organism, and how to learn to, how to say that, to, yeah. So I practically, okay, I will say that now since you asked me. I practically teach people how to talk to themselves. So these three uh, levels of awareness, I can ask them to talk all together uh, and make uh, the best decision about something. Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of that is to activate the organismic awareness. And the more we practice, so these exercises are, you know, simple, maybe they seem, I don't know, silly, stupid, childish, whatever, to talk with these parts of yourself. But actually this activates the organism and after some point, uh, the organism does it itself. We don't have to talk separately anymore with... Uh, you know, it's all integrated. Exactly, it happens yeah. on its own. So another important uh, dialogue is with is with the parts of my body. So every, all the parts of of our bodies can speak if we pay attention. So if I have a headache, my head can tell me what it needs, or my stomach, you know, and so on, so on. That is amazing practice actually and it really helps most people to release the pain immediately when they do the dialogue that is super amazing it looks like magic and the same happens with the feelings and emotions and senses uh, talking with them yeah I teach two people to make it to make dialogue with them and that's also very uh, I don't know how to uh, amazing because Every feeling actually shows up in our organism to give us a message about something that the organism needs to know or act and so on. So people, what people usually do, and they block themselves and their bodies and they block feelings in the bodies and, uh, you know, all this can end up, you know, with diseases and so on and so on. Some healthy stuff. Yeah, exactly. So what I want to say to people who listen is... Let's be friends with our feelings, please, please, <laughs> because every feeling is just a message. You are not threatened from the feeling. Your, your feeling is your friend. It never threatens you. What can threaten you is when you avoid to stay with it in a friendly way and you want to hide it and then it can become a, a somatic problem or when you want to vomit it to the environment immediately without 
using this integrative awareness pra practice, mind, body, environment. Yeah. So, and the most common uh, problem that people face with pins is with anger, because they they rush so much into vomiting their anger to the environment, and that's a big problem. I mean, many men come to me and tell me. Please help me. I want to stop, uh, you know, punching the wall because okay, my hands cannot stand it anymore. And I'm like, yeah, yeah okay, imagine. let's let's do some work there. Yeah. And okay, it's getting better. So yeah, I mean, and, and so about the feelings in general, it's a message first of all, and secondly, what I'm trying to explain, especially to these men, is that. There is an energy in every feeling. There's a lot of energy. I mean, it's an energetic move. There's movement. So what I'm saying to, what I'm trying to educate my clients is to consider with your awareness every time there's a feeling coming, you know, listen to this message, okay? And then see what do you want to do with this energy in the moment. You don't have to be automatic, you know? You have energy from your anger and especially the anger has such a full power energy what do you want to do with it me usually i use it to clean my heart for example which is very very effective it's a win-win <laughs> okay so there is such thing i mean i, I guess they call it in um, they often talk about that in psychodynamic approaches for it's a sublimation when you actually use your violent instincts or whatever it is Let, let's say your raw emotions you sort of use them in a socially acceptable way uh, for instance like in psychodynamic uh, approach they would say okay someone who is angry they will then go and, and become a boxer or something or uh, a football player or or something where they can actually use that aggression so do you think it's an acceptable way of dealing with it, or do people actually need therapy to to get rid of it altogether uh, what was the first part of the question? If it's acceptable to do what? So if you have this, I mean, you, you mentioned all these sort of basic emotions that we all have, I guess, anger being a uh -huh. classic example of that. And um, very often you see people use them, you know, in a, the, the emotion is still there, it's quite strong, but they all they do is they're using it in a more socially acceptable way. They will go and play mm -hmm. football or yes. become a boxer, or they kill someone... Um, uh, Men mentally like through I don't know, playing chess or something <laughs> I guess like that. I remember this yeah, yeah, yes yeah, yeah. so is that I mean do, do you think that works or do you think really people if they have very strong emotions they really need some therapy to get rid of it actually I think that we all need some therapy since we live in this sick society and system that one way or another is hurting us uh, yeah, so as I, I was saying before, to come back to that, to the violence, so half of the people, we are internalizing this violence and we are turning uh, this anger, for example, against ourselves because we don't want to bring it out. I, 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 have, I have a master in that, which I'm trying to get over it, but it's not healthy for my body. And the other, the other half, they are vomiting it to the environment immediately like punching and breaking stuff and I don't know, and, and this stuff. So, okay, that's what happens in general with violence. And so, and you asked me about, you know, when people have 
uh, extreme emotions. That's what, that's the question, right? Yeah, emotions that are very strong and yeah, whether they should just that's get a type, rid of them. Yeah. That's a way of adaptation. So we all have our ways of adaptation. So you see people who have very little emotional reactions. That's also an issue. Then you see people who have too much emotional react too much, like more than, I don't know, that it's healthy for them. So the question here is, what is healthy for me as an organism? And what is, uh, and is it in my favor to get so much into the emotion? And when? So if I go to, I don't know, to draw, for example, and I get fully into the emotion of, I don't know what, it's helpful. Or when I go to dance, I, I can there, you know, get in any emotion I want, sadness, anger, whatever, and I, exp I, I experience it fully and it's great. For example, I don't know, if I'm teaching a seminar and someone is bitchy with me and I get super angry, is this in my favor? I need to ask this question. So awareness, again, is the key. And checking the environment and the group dynamic, which is actually the environment, usually, is very important. So it's not, I don't think it's unhealthy to be emotional, emotionally, you know, uh, intense. Uh, though it's important to manage, to, to know, as with everything, when is the right time for this and for that. And again, the, ground, the common ground here is emotional awareness. That I know that now my anger is too strong, for example, with this, I don't know, student in the seminar. And the key point is that I know how to contain this, this feeling, this anger, without it destroying me. It's a different move to store a feeling it's different to contain, and that's also something that I teach a lot to people. It's an important, important stage of, uh, you know, of teaching that, and especially to men, you know, with men and anger also, it's a good one. Learn how to contain the feeling and stay with it, you know, because as I said, it's our friend, no problem, there's no real threat. And let's see what we want to do as adults that we are. You know, with patience, and you know, and, and and from that point, also the reason we we do that is so we can expand our choices. Mm -hmm. Because if I do the same all the time, then I'm so limited actually. And do I want that? Isn't no. it better to have access to full choices in life? We all want to have more choice, in it? And my I own background so. is NLP, and one of the main principles of NLP is, you know, the, the most successful people are those who increase their choices. We, you know, we ensure that they have, you know, uh, exactly. more choice about what they do. So that makes completely sense to me. Let me ask you a more controversial question. I'm interested in having worked with domestic violence and survivors in the past. So we're talking a lot about anger here and anger management. So one of the, one of the sort of main sort of, points that the feminist theories are making is that actually men don't really need anger management, especially in the domestic violence context. What they really need is, um, yeah, basically to stop, <laughs> to stop being abusive. That is the main sort of issue because 
they point out, uh, you know, very often, you know, when it comes to domestic violence and the man who says, sorry, you know, it's all, I need to control my anger and to find something. And it doesn't really work. We're going to do some anger management course and I come back and they're going to continue being abusive. And the reason for that, they, feminist theory says, is because really they choose to be abusive, basically, because they're not abusive to their friends, for instance, or when they go to the supermarket to buy bread or, or something else. They do it selectively and because about power and about manipulation in, the, in that relationship. I mean, what is the gestalt approach to that? Would you agree with that theory? Well, uh, I will say one important thing here, uh, which I really reflect. I also reflect a lot of that because I'm also a sexologist and I did this research in how to heal our sexuality and life from patriarchy and so on. So, what I see working with men is that men, uh, so, okay, so in feminist theory and all that, we are so aware about how patriarchy is destroying us. And there are many ways that, that is destroying uh, women. True. Of course, but of course, it's also destroying men. And that's the, the important thing here to highlight, because if men knew how patriarchy is going against them, uh, they would immediately uh, make a big revolution against patriarchy. So I will give a reason now for that. <laughs> Let's see if it works. Interesting point. Yeah, I hope. So actually men are, uh, in this structure of patriarchy, they are denied the right to have feelings from a very young age. And usually, I know, if I say at, at five years old, I am very generous. It, hap it happens even before five, the five years of the life of a man. So that is hardcore because human beings, you know, have, we have feelings. The only mo point that we don't have feelings is when we're dead. So. So you claim. What? No. what? So you claim. <laughs> yes. At least that's what I learned in my training, that only dead people don't have feelings. Actually, we use that when we ask a client, what do you feel? And they usually, you know, they're like uh, nothing. We say, ah, only dead people feel nothing. So please tell me, let's work together to find what you feel, actually. Yeah. So, so actually, Pazirki is seriously dehumanizing men. Seriously. And what I see, because I work with adults over 30, uh, not, not only, also, also teenagers. So what I see that they have in common is that they're not aware of their feelings at all. They are so ashamed to say that they have some feelings of, that are not good, like I'm not, you know, happy or, you know, proud, na na na. Uh, and, I'm, and yeah, you can understand the level of, uh, you know, how problematic this is for the, themselves, how frustrated they feel, how uh, deprived they feel, and how uh, disconnected they are with themselves. So, and, and so men, they only have access to one feeling. They are allowed to have only one feeling, which is anger. And so what I saw in my clients that happens is that, because I had uh, a case uh, with 
type of domestic violence which was verbal. And, I, and I'm working with him. What I saw is that he is suppressing all his other feelings that he was having. You know, I have no work, I feel I'm worthless. Uh, I don't know, my wife uh, does, uh, is not so into me sexually, so again, I feel worthless, and now all this, I have fear because I had an accident. He was not talking about these feelings to his wife at all. So, but when there was something happened and he was uh, angry, he would vomit all the feelings together through the anger, and he would suddenly uh, yell and uh, use, you know, bad words. And then, you know, the wife, of course, was like shocked, what the fuck is that? It makes sense. And he was also shocked. And so when we worked, we saw this, that behind this anger, there was the suppression of all the previous feelings. So what we did was recognize, uh, to, to, to you know, give him, the, uh, take, you know, take the right to have any feeling you want, please. So give him the right to feel anything he feels accepting the feelings, naming the feelings, and communicating the feelings. And this is what really helped. And, and containing mm. the feelings in general and his anger. So when he opened up the palette of the feelings, he could contain more, any of them, plus the anger, and not act out. That's what helped. That's, that's actually very interesting to hear. And, and again, like I said, I've got years of experience working alongside other services helping uh, domestic abuse survivors, among others. And, and definitely the approach that you described it feels much more nuanced and trying to understand and raise awareness about not just the, the survivor, but also the perpetrator from, from their perspective exactly. as well. And, and I think yeah, it's and important, isn't it? Very important. And this, I don't like this term, anger management. It sounds like, I mean, like it's like, yeah, it's like cutting out something very small from the organism and telling the organism, we fix only this and the rest, we don't know. Yeah, yes. it doesn't make sense. I see what it you doesn't mean. Make, it doesn't no. make, it's not holistic. So I don't think it can really work. Yeah, yeah. So the anger is not just about the anger, it's about, you know, the whole thing that you... Exactly. And actually, I see... I see that, uh, you know, because in my practice I combine, I combine all the social political awareness, I see it with all my clients that they are really, uh, feel, that they feel that I, I understand them much more directly and they, they all tell me, oh, finally I found a therapist that I can, you know, I feel understood and so on. Just because, not just because, it's a big thing. Because of this, because I of this ground of social political awareness that I give them, this support, that you are not alone. This really, also with, I have helped people to quit uh, medication and they also feel immediately much better when I tell them that, you know, your reaction to this and that experience makes total sense and then they get the first oh, oh, someone is telling me that I'm not crazy you know which is proven by the anti-psychiatric movement of uh, Lang and Cooper 
There is a book that they wrote that they said that the psychopath, uh, whatever style of psychopath, inside his family system, he is healthy. So all these issues that we can see as a society and say, oh, he, he or she is crazy, is because it's just the way this person ha- used to adapt in this crazy system. But, mm-hmm. you know, because of the patriarchal structure, the system, uh, and, and science sadly, prefers to say, oh, this person is crazy. Not the, whole system, not, the, not the whole system, not the family, not the way these people grew up. That's a big problem. And so, yeah, when I tell them it's normal that you react like this, everyone would have reacted like this, probably, or worse, actually. They immediately feel better. And that's important. Mm. Yeah. To feel Exactly, that's what I was going to say. People just want to be listened and understood. And very often, I have the feeling definitely that people don't get the opportunity really to, to be heard, exactly. to be properly heard so that someone actually sits down with them and understands what is really going on there. And very often we talk our theories at them. And, you know, we sort of assume things, assume exactly. about what, what is happening there without actually taking into account what people are really feeling or thinking so exactly and that's why in Gestalt we have the principles of no judgment and no interpretation that's the only way you can really clear your field so you can really get straight to the awareness and so and the opposite I mean the way to heal this judgment interpretation which we all have from our you know toxicity that we have developed from overusing the mind which is a patriarchal um, order to us. So I want to say that the way to heal the toxic mind and its, its tendency to go for judgment and interpretation is by staying in the phenomenology. And that's also a big, uh, important element of Gestalt. Uh, because actually, staying with the phenomenon is all we have, really. Mm. And so when I hear these super traumatized clients uh, and I hear their reaction to that, I, I, I activate my awareness and knowledge about human physiology and nervous system and all that and tell them your reaction is normal and actually other people would have reacted much worse. Because when we get all these violations of our physiology is 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 what causes us to get crazy in mm-hmm. the in the bad sense and that's a thing here because i don't know i think there is a denial or lack of knowledge or i don't know what of the physiology of human being yeah in therapy mm. which brings me to a point and that's a question i want to ask you mentioned earlier you are a sexologist as well and that is such a strangely loaded topic, isn't it? So, I mean, I live in Britain where being reserved is seen as a virtue. You know, that's the, the sort of um, stereotype of the gentleman is, is reserved. They don't talk about sex and that sort of stuff because that's vulgar. <laughs> um, really? Why, why okay. is that, you think? Why, I mean, it's such a natural thing, isn't it? So, and yeah, it causes definitely. also so many issues and blockages. And why are people trained not to talk about it? Why do you think is it such a difficult topic for people to approach? That's a good question. Um, 
Yeah, and, and difficult to answer easily, but I will answer. Uh, so, yeah, where to start is the question. So actually in Gestalt, I will, I will take it from there. Uh, in Gestalt therapy, again, we say that the whole organism is organized to, to try to cover its needs slash desires from the environment. Usually, for most of the needs that we have, if not all, we need the environment. So one of the, and so it's basic for our, you know, for our healing work to, to make it clear to everyone. So our basic needs is our, you know, uh, water, food, uh, somewhere, I know, warm and nice to stay. Uh, That's like a Maslow pyramid, isn't it? The security, yeah, exactly. safety, uh, yeah, social environment. Uh, um, yeah, exactly. Connection, connections, hard connection, and sex. Sex yeah. is vital need of the organism. So it's so yeah, it's a good question because actually it's like food and water for us. I don't know it's, it's basic, yeah, but nobody, I mean, I don't see people having any difficulty to say, what are we going to eat later, you know, or um, <laughs> I, will, I will go out and eat to the restaurant, oh, let's, let's have a drink, but that's not, I mean, I don't see people having easily conversations about, about, about sex, really, not even indirectly, so that's, that's, that's a That's a big problem, that's a big problem, it's interesting, and I think, I mean, it's because of this religion stuff, I guess, uh, that, that has caused all this uh, guilt around sex. And actually, the most important thing here is that it's connected also, uh, the, the main point, uh, the, main, the main reason why this happened, like to make people feel guilty about sex, was to really make people feel guilty about having pleasure, experiencing pleasure in life. Mm -hmm. And that is a big problem. Yeah. That's the main problem, actually. Yeah. Because we are not allowed in capitalism and patriarchy to have, uh, to experience pleasure and have access to pleasure. And that comes back to what you were saying earlier. It's, not about, it's about denial of, of the physical reality of a human being, really, of a, no, denial almost of who we are as a physical being in a certain environment and with a certain body going back to your main three points of awareness mind body and environment exactly it goes back to the body yeah that's what you oh. said right absolutely yes so that, I mean. exactly and because in fact i mean living in patriarchy we are trained to overuse the mind that's why i said before that the mind gets toxic because we have three centers of awareness and of function as organisms. So we have the mind, the feelings uh, and senses, which is the body. And then we have the environment uh, and in body function, this is the instinct, where we can find the pleasure and sex. And so in patriarchy, we only have to be, we have to only be a mind, you know, and operate from there and uh, making all the duties and uh, yes. na, 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 na. and then we ask for, from 
And I mean, that's why also there are so many sexual problems, because we ask to people who are spend 80% in their mind, suddenly to switch off and go to the body and instinct and have uh, fun and great uh, pleasure with their bodies. Not so easy, because there's no button to switch on and off. So if we really want to be able to experience great pleasure with our bodies, we need to be more present in our bodies daily. <laughs> There's no other way, sorry. Absolutely, yeah. And again, it's about the awareness, isn't it, that you, you, you keep coming back by such an important exactly. point. Exactly. Complete awareness of who we are. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we're, we're doing, you know, these jobs that, you know, we, we are staying still for long term, like eight hours in an office. It's a... It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, there are mind jobs, are there? These jobs, they're just jobs where exactly. all we've been asked is to use the mind, really. Yeah, there's no body and health, and there's exactly. no, no environment either because you're in front of a computer screen, really. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, because I also do this type of job, what I do to balance that is, yeah, I don't like chairs. So I either sit uh, on the floor like I do now or in these Pilates balls or even if I'm in the, on, the, on, in a, on a chair, you know, there are ways to stand to, and to sit by using all the, your muscles mm. or some of them. So you can still, now for example, that I say that I'm activating my abs and I feel them. And that's a good now. point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm on the floor, so I have to hold my, you know, my back straight with my abs. So, mm, and that and creates more it. presence in the moment, isn't it? Because you you involve also, your body in your posture. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And also, you know, sometimes I might do this, you know, to the sofa, but then after a while, I start to feel that my body doesn't like it. Yeah, I had, I had a, for a technical reason, let's say, once I spent one month only using my yoga mat at home for anything I was doing. And so, and after that, so this happened, you know, because of a condition. Uh, and I was like, okay, that's the way I will deal with it. No, no, no. And then I realized that that was amazing. And since then, I am very, very, yeah, happy with this practice. So, and that's why if you have seen, there are some, uh, I mean, some more children-friendly schools. I was recently reading an article about one in Creta, in Greece, that they're using, uh, yeah, these Pilates balls for the kids, which is much healthier for our spine. So actually the point is the spine and and now you can see I'm doing this movement because when I when I'm on the floor I can easily move the spine over the the pelvis and so my pelvis yeah. is more free and that's something that it's yeah. useful so actually when we do yoga I mean yoga what we do all our job is to open the these muscles next to the pelvis. I don't know mm-hmm. the English word. And this say, they say that this also helps humans to open their mind. I can see why. Um, 
based on the philosophy that we discussed of looking at the whole picture, isn't it? The exactly. body, and the mind, and the environment. Exactly. So, yeah. So it's important. I think it's a it's a big uh, issue uh, and yeah. damage in our in our somatic awareness. Let's say really. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. I'm definitely looking at the, the number of spinal and back injuries of people that I know, and you know, no doubt, yeah, uh, yeah. we're doing something wrong. I think in the way that we are. Yeah, that it's not very case. Uh, try. Yeah. I, I I I will uh, suggest you this to try for a month to only you know be on the floor and avoid the uh, avoid chairs. That's going to be interesting with my work, but. Uh, Willing to give that a go. <laughs> yeah, in the world you can have this ball instead of chair. That's what yes. some offices do. I need to get the ball first. I have a football, but that's not big enough, I think. So. No. <laughs> I need a bigger one. Right. And maybe okay. then in the office, maybe you can suggest it to the others also. And maybe you will see a change in the way you communicate with, with them and in yeah. the flow. Based on your theory, I would say that, that, that that's what should happen, isn't it? So there's a different sort of energy flow and a different... Exactly. Uh, I think yeah. so too. Absolutely. Yeah, so and also to say one more yeah. thing about that, since we talk about that. So nowadays we have all these kids being accused that they have this uh, AD... ADHD. You know, yeah, these problems. And really, please, who can stand to be eight hours uh, non-moving on a chair. Me, I can't. Can you? No. Exactly. Yeah. And we are adults. Imagine when we were kids. So, so these balls or the floor, I mean, so these balls make, give you the opportunity also to move. And so when you feel some tension or when the kid is feeling some tension at school, it's better you know, to move it. That's what animals do. When they get some, I don't know, fear, shock or something, they will shake their bodies after to bring it out. Yeah. So I don't know what we're talking about here and accusing these kids about that. It's normal. Mm. I mean, I have some, some clients like, like that, like that. I'm also like that and my clients know. So I cannot, I, I, many times, that's why I usually use the phone because I want to move around sometimes and okay. Maybe it doesn't look, but it helps my. It helps me to to be more aware. They know how aware I am. I'm present with them. So, I think they did this uh, balance, and they said, "Okay, she's moving around, but it's not that she's not paying attention to me." And I have clients who do it as well. And it's interesting. The other day, I had one of his clients, and I did. We did a family session also with a family member. And the family member was accusing uh, my client that uh, don't go away. Uh, are you listening to me? No, no, no. You know, the typical dynamic of parent and child. And I was like, uh, you know, my client is always doing that. And uh, their, uh, her awareness process is great. So please, uh, you know, Respect let, her, let her move. It's better yes. for her and her awareness process and her attention and understanding. Yes. As a body, you know, if the body needs to move according to what uh, receives as information, let's yeah. allow that based on love and freedom. Well, but that's what the parent doesn't know, isn't it? Maybe she needs to have a session with you so she can understand about I'm violence. I'm also doing that, yeah. 
Yes, and how it restricts people. So we've been talking for an hour now, Mark. So that means that it must have been an interesting conversation because I didn't even notice how time has passed and we covered so many interesting topics. So, um, you know, first of all, thank you very much for sharing your um, insights uh, with us. And I think, which I have no doubt, a lot of people will find extremely um, interesting and fascinating and kind of different than, you know, a lot of the mainstream stuff you're hearing. And I guess the last question for me to you is, where can people find you? You know, what, where are you online, offline? And, and what's the best uh, place for them to join your universe and um, find out more about Gestalt and the work that you do? Uh, so I have a, I have two websites. Uh, one is called gestalt-awareness.com. The other is called, after my name, myracuntane.com. Uh, I have a Facebook group. Uh, actually, yeah, the Facebook group is the best way to interact. Uh, it's called Unlock Your Lovability, which is the name Unlock Your Lovability yeah. the, of my training, uh, where I teach all these practices together as a 12-meeting training. So, because that's the point, to give these manuals to people, and so we can all have access to them every time we really need them. So we don't need to depend on therapists. I mean, it's nice to have a therapist. I always have a supervisor slash therapist since I'm doing this job. And it's always a rewarding experience for me, of course, uh, in my awareness process. Though it's, you know, I only see him one hour per week. And I need, you know, my practice is with me 24-7. No, I mean... I always need to have access to my practices to bring myself back to do all these things that we said before. So it's important to have this access to these practices. Mm-hmm. And that's my, yeah, my life mission, to share practices that promote love and freedom. Yes, and I think the world is in dire need of much more of that. Yes, Thank you I very much, so Mark. It, it, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And, um, Thank you. You are listening to the How Did They Do It podcast with Kostas Panayotou. Should you have a story you would like to share about how you found your own freedom and clarity of purpose, then please email me at kostasthecoach at gmail.com. And you can also follow me at kostasthecoach.com for weekly articles inspiring solopreneurs, therapists and artists to find the freedom and clarity of purpose in life.